Computer, initialize Holosuite. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Random Trek Review, the podcast where we analyze, discuss, and review a randomly selected Star Trek episode. My name is Andrew, and today I'll be joined by Matt, who is joining us from the future, but only like an hour or so. So, uh, Matt, how does this show end up going? Well, the end of it will be, uh, I'm just going to vanish mysteriously, and there will be no explanation. There will be no indication of where or when I went. I'll just vanish. And, uh, I mean, that, of course, means that we are looking at the Enterprise episode Future Tense. And if those of you recall from two weeks ago, uh, you'll remember that I got a little bit switcherooed. I was in the wrong season, and uh, uh, I didn't do probably as good as I could do because I, I knew in my heart of hearts that I was explaining an episode from season three in the Zindi arc, but uh, sometimes you just... You, you get mixed up. So, Matt, why don't you give me a review and a score out of five future ships? You gave a very good review or a recall of the uh, the episode Twilight, which is, as you said, from season three. And uh, it's actually one of my favorite Enterprise episodes. I think it's a really great episode. But uh, unfortunately, we're looking at future tense. Um, so you did mention there was a sort of a time travel element to it, which is true in this episode as well so you get it got that correct and you mentioned Daniels um, which is kind of correct he sort of doesn't actually appear but they sort of break into his room and look through his uh, extensive database um, so he was sort of he sort of influenced the episode um, so that that's you, you know you, you got that part I guess right um, so yeah, it's definitely a classic switcheroo though, but uh, fortunately for you, it's not going to be a zero out of five. I'm going to give you a one future ship out of five uh, because you did hit upon a few relevant points. So maybe not the greatest start to the season, but uh, it's better than a big old donut. Yeah, and you know what? One future ship was enough for like a whole bunch of people to uh, fight over in the episode. So I guess that's good enough for me as well. And also, the inside was bigger than the outside of this. That's exactly right. It's like uh, one of those <laughs> weird future things, right? Um, this, of course, is uh, from Star Trek Enterprise. It's season two, episode 16. It aired back on February 19th, 2003. It guest starred Vaughn Armstrong as Admiral Maxwell Forrest, Cullen Douglas as the random Suliban, Jeff Ayers as Heyman, Mark Quannery as Alex, Scott Hill as Hutchinson, and a computer for the Tholian voice. It was written by Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong and directed by James Whitmore. All right, Matt, now a couple of interesting kind of production notes here. Uh, originally, they wanted to call this uh, Crash Landing, which I don't really get because it wasn't really involving a crash landing on a on a planet or something um and uh, oddly enough in the uk there's a, a channel called sky and 
it's like the one spot where they actually have renamed the episode crash landing and so why do they do these things i have no idea it's not like future tense is that bad of a name i actually kind of thought it was a cool name what are are your thoughts on the title i think it's a cool title um i should mention that i erroneously stated at the end of the last podcast there is no such thing as future tense that of course is not correct uh yeah i guess like you you will be doing you could be doing that kind of thing yeah yeah so future tense i i would like to correct myself that's good so anybody that wrote up any uh you know angry emails you can just delete those now you know you don't need to you don't need to send them delete the tweets you don't need to send them yeah um the original draft for this one also included the uss defiant uh, which we of course remember from episode two of rtr the tholian web uh, but they scrapped that eventually because they worried that uh, Archer would maybe know too much about the future and that it would kind of mess up the whole timeline in which they were, um, you know, kind of hoping to create. Uh, and then they would later use that idea in, remember the Mirror Universe episode, uh, the Mirror Darkly? Uh, they end up using the uh, the USS Defiant there, I guess, because it's another universe and it doesn't really affect their um, overall timeline or what have you so uh to me it kind of feels like they use this a lot because remember there was like that star trek episode uh star trek discovery episode with the uss defiant and stuff i mean it was just kind of a random one-off episode of the original series but it seems to like they've kind of gone to that well a few times haven't they oh yeah they just love uh they just love busting out the original uss defiant in the mirror universe, every every time they get, every chance they get. And lastly, the time ship was inspired by the TARDIS. Are you a big Doctor Who fan, Matt, or not really? I've never seen it. No, me neither. I feel like I've kind of seen some memes and some things like that, uh, but nothing too, too crazy. Uh, kind of like the production for, for this episode. Um, I don't have really a whole lot of feelings about it one way or the other, but um, I I do think that it's maybe more memorable than what I kind of gave in my recall. Let's jump into the plot. What do you think, Matt? Let's just get into it. Yeah, we get a very typical Star Trek opener here. Uh, The classic uh, ship adrift uh, shipwreck starter, right? We, we've seen this a lot of times before. Um, the, the big shocker here is that, uh, you know, they pull it into the bay, they open it up, and there's a dead body inside, and uh, it appears to be human. Um, what are your kind of thoughts on this teaser? Do you think maybe they should have included some of the, the future, like the temporal readings or something? Uh, or is this good as it is? I think considering the nature of the series, I think having a human just turning up in this derelict ship was actually pretty effective at being like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. Human? What's he doing out this far? Yeah. Because Enterprise is supposed to be like this cutting edge ship that's been you know further out than anyone else has ever gone. So I, I thought considering sort of where we are in the, the history and the timeline, it was actually pretty, pretty good to be like, oh, human. Right, and there is a whole thing about how it's fused shut, I guess, like from the outside or something. I'm not sure whether we were supposed to kind of take that this was like, you know, they had sent them there by force or something, but they, they made a big thing about how the, the hatch has been 
fused and you know it's been damaged badly or or what have you uh and i mean i guess that kind of leads us into the next thing is is that archer has this theory that it could be zephyrin cochran uh because zephyrin cochran had gone missing years prior and he had been he was in like a one man piloting uh like a one man uh, like a probe ship or something. I, I forget what he calls it, but like basically just like a little tiny ship that was experimental and um, he had kind of gone missing and, and that was it. Um, we, of course, know that this isn't true because I believe that there's an original series episode where they actually find uh, Zephyr Cochran like living out his days on like a mysterious planet. Am I correct in saying that or am I getting something mixed up? I don't know if it was actually Zephyrm Cochran. I think it was like an alien impersonating Zephyrm Cochran. Oh, okay. I th- but I could be wrong. I, I'm My original series knowledge is, is... Uh, spotty at best. So that is um, an episode called Metamorphosis. And uh, Kirk finds Zephyrm Cochran, who has been missing for 150 years. Now, I do not remember whether it ends up being... Uh, somebody different or not either, but uh, I guess maybe we'll have to we'll have, to, this time we'll have to draw it this time, and then that will be the decider when we kind of go back and watch it. But uh, I kind of like that as a theory. Um, I forget that Enterprise did like this kind of stuff really well, actually, and I think that uh, the idea that it could be Cochran or that at least that is brought up um, is is kind of cool. Um, even if it ends up not being true, it kind of creates this mystery right here at the beginning. So um, what are your thoughts kind of on uh, on the beginning of this episode? Is it catching your attention? Are you uh, are you down for this? Or are you feeling like it's uh, a bit on the lazy side? Well, I think there's a decent amount of mystery. I mean, I, I, I haven't seen this episode a whole lot and I haven't watched it in quite a while. So, um, yeah, definitely uh, piquing my interest. I was... Uh... Yeah, I was quite quite interested to see sort of what what was going on with this you know mysterious small craft with this you know long dead human on board. It was definitely uh, piquing my interest. Yeah, and I, I I do like this part at the beginning where uh, we're kind of like uh, sussing it out. I guess uh, they at one point phone up uh, Admiral Forrest, and he thinks that there's somebody from the Vega Colony, which I don't know that we. I don't know that we ever heard of that or anything, but it could be like a cargo ship as well. I think he mentions at one point. So uh, I, I do kind of like this mystery of like, where do they come? Um, but after a while, and actually when I say a while, not very long at all, um, Malcolm and Tucker figure out that there's actually kind of organic circuitry, which uh, I mean, I guess that kind of kills the idea that it's Zephyr Cochran or that it's from a cargo authority or something that leads us to think kind of straight away that it's probably something, you know, outside of the current tech, or at least that's what I thought we were, were supposed to believe. Well, yeah, because we Voyager had the bio neural circuitry, right? So it's, if you're a big Star Trek fan, you can probably, you know, connect those two dots and be like, oh, organic circuitry. Well, it must be from the future because Voyager had the bio neural circuitry and it was, you know, too... 200 or 300 years in the future from where we are so right that's probably a pretty good giveaway yeah and i mean we before before we can kind of even let that digest though we do get the the sulabans showing up and putting the enterprise on blast um we don't 
I don't know. The Sulabans are such an interesting species, aren't they? Uh, I am having. A, I can't really remember where we're at in terms of uh, like the whole temporal war and where they're at with the Sulabans and stuff. Like, I, I we're kind of getting dropped in by picking this one randomly. Um, what are what is our current relationship with the Sulabans at this point? Do you happen to have a, kind of a, a memory of it by season two? Well, does it ever change? I mean, they're always sort of <laughs> maybe, antagonistic, yeah, maybe that's it. you know. Like, it's not like they ever became pals or anything like that. Yeah, that's true, I guess, too. I just feel like, um, I mean, even just with respect to the whole temporal war, weren't we kind of left at the end of season one with kind of like the cliffhanger of Archer? He was like in that little room and stuff like that, and then he went off with all this like knowledge that they were like working together or something. I think it was some. Like, didn't he get stranded like in the 29th century or something with Daniels? In like that little chamber thing, right? Like, yeah. But then weren't they looked the... out, and then they looked out the window and everything was just like destroyed on Earth. Yeah, and like, wasn't the weren't the Sulabans like working with the people from the future? Uh, something like that. Yeah. So, like, I guess my question to you is: is that when they show up here and they start attacking, that's kind of like the clear indication that. This is a time ship, I guess, and it's part of that temporal fight. Or the Sulabans show up all the time, and it's not really that ex- unexpected. No, uh, when they show up, it's generally because that mysterious future guy is telling them to do something. So, yeah, that's a pretty good indication that we're into sort of temporal Cold War territory. Territory. Okay. We got the Sulabans. They kind of like fend them off before the commercial break. And we come back after the uh, commercial break with some answers like almost straight away. Uh, so while they're kind of digging around in the future ship, they find like a literal mystery box. Um, you know, like the J.J. Abrams style mystery box. And Phlox finds out that this isn't a typical human. He's like reading the nucleotides and stuff. And he sees that this is a human that's been interbred with Vulcans, which brings up a bunch of questions as well. Um, I guess most specifically because Paul and um, so others don't necessarily think that that would be a, a, a pairing that could actually produce offspring. And I guess these things all kind of coming together archer figures out like oh it's got to be that temporal cold war thing um what are your thoughts kind of after that first commercial break they they we're kind of getting fast and furious in terms of uh you know getting hit with information is it too much is it overload um or are you kind of rolling with the punches i don't think it was too much because this is sort of like the default thing they go to a lot in the first (laughs) couple of seasons so you know if you're sort of caught up on the show, you already have a pretty good idea that, oh, yeah, the temporal Cold War again. This whole thing that they build up and they keep going to, but we don't actually know what it is or who's actually doing what. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. In a, in, a, in a way, I was kind of rolling my eyes a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, that the 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 way that they kind of figure it out is kind of really quick and you know it's kind of like oh well let's go check out that crewman daniel's quarters right and i i kind of thought you know shouldn't you have like already searched this guy's little room like ceiling to floor like look at every nook and cranny like look through the database figure out like what's going on like 
again, I think maybe it's partially because like I mentioned, I was slightly distracted while I was watching this, but then I was also kind of feeling like, um, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of lost in terms of where we're at in terms of the temporal comb war. I think I looked up and this is kind of the, this is the seventh of 13 episodes in the temporal cold war arc. Uh, and I kind of was having a hard time remembering, like, like why why didn't Daniels show up in this episode? Like, um, he just kind of comes and goes as he pleases, or they didn't want to get the actor, or um, that's kind of what I was saying. Matt, you got to kind of catch me up here. Where are we at in terms of the ter- the, the temporal cold war for this episode? Well, here's here's the thing. You could probably watch all seven episodes, and you still would have no idea. <laughs> like, okay, well, at the, least this, I'm not this, alone. This whole temporal cold war thing, like, suffers terribly from Battlestar Galactica syndrome. They they build up this these mysteries and this whole thing, but they don't know where it's going. And then it ends up going nowhere. And then you stay, you get to the end and you're like, well what was the point of that? Right. You know? Like and I, I think Lost, you know, which it's yes. interesting. You mentioned JJ Abrams. Lost suffered from probably the most famously from this same syndrome, if you right. want to call it that. They, they, you know, they, they, they create all this mystery and intrigue, but they have no plan going forward. They just sort of make it up as they go, and then they get to an end that doesn't really pay off the way that it should. Right. And, you know, and I, I mean, and Battlestar Galactica was, was very much had the same problem, I think. Right. And, I mean, I guess I'm just happy that I'm not the only one, I, I suppose, uh, I, I've only kind of watched through this like once, once and a half. And so, I mean, there are, there are little parts and things like that that I find kind of hard to to kind of follow. And, and this is definitely in that territory for me, um, especially since I don't know that there was ever a time where Daniels like flat out just said, listen, this is what it's all about. And this is what you need to do. And this is why it's important. I, I kind of always remember that one where they went to the Enterprise J and it was like way in the future. Um, but other than that, I never really remember a time where we're really in the loop. And this is very much the, the case here. It's just kind of like Archer deduces that the ship must be from the future. Um, and before we can even digest that, the Tholians show up and they want in on it too because they want the time ship. So it's I'm finding it very chaotic myself. Um, how are you feeling by the time you get to this? Or are you just kind of like lost your... Uh, They've already lost your interest in it by the time they've hit the second act. Well, I'm like I said, I mean, I'm not this whole temporal cold war thing that they they tried to do. There's just they 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 don't give you enough. Right. You know, like it's so vague and, you know, there's this future guy who's controlling one section and then Daniels is, you know, working for someone else, but you have no idea who it is or what like it was just so vague and it never really went anywhere. It just sort of every so often the Sulaban are just sort of show up and they're like, yeah, we, uh, you know, don't, don't go where you're going or give us this that we need. Or it just, it was so vague and everything was like operating in the shadows and no one was like giving straight answers. They were just, you know, trying to manipulate events very subtly. And it just, it, it, it just fell completely flat to me, it, and it's, all... I even rem- and I even remember when it first came out. You know, I was much younger, 
and I was I was like, what is the point of all this? Like, is this, is this anything actually going to happen, or is this these these guys just going to keep popping up and trying to get people to do things for no reason? Yeah, like the coolest part of the Temporal Cold War is the name. <laughs> you know, like the Temporal Cold War. I will admit is the coolest name and the coolest like idea. <laughs> <laughs> for a Star Trek thing, but it's kind of like they're giving us little breadcrumbs and I'm starving to death. You know what I mean? Like they they want to kind of lead me with the breadcrumbs to to like a big juicy steak or something, but the steak never comes. It's literally just the breadcrumbs and, and you go hungry waiting on it. So, um yeah, it's not working for me. The Tholians, even though this is the first time we've seen them in a long long time, uh, there's definitely a sense, with me anyway, that this is maybe kind of getting into fan service, you know? Like, uh, what can we throw in here to get people interested? Uh, we'll put the uh, Tholians in there. Uh, because we were always told that the Tholians were, like, super, super dangerous, like, really badass. And, I mean, it's kind of like they scare, they get scared off by the Enterprise really quickly. So, um I don't know, like, I have to admit, we're about the halfway mark here, and I'm not really enjoying myself. Matt, what are, where are you at in terms of your mind here? Well, we get zero indication of the Tholians' motivation for wanting this ship. And yeah, that sort of begs the question of, like you mentioned, like, why would you throw them in here if they have no skin in the game, you know? Like, you never, I think... Don't they turn up in that Mirror Universe episode? Yes, they do, yeah. But otherwise, you never see them. You never hear about them. So I like, guess maybe are, that's uh, the know, link, yeah. Yeah, so, like, are they getting in... Are they part of this temporal Cold War? Or, like, what what is, what is what are they doing? Why do they want the ship? It's never, <laughs> it's never explained. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the biggest problem here, is there's a lot of cool ideas floating around, but it's... It's almost like it's it's too half baked, you know. It's kind of like have you ever cooked like cookies or something, and you're so excited to 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 you know bite into them, and they're like cold, they're cold in the middle, you know. It's like all doughy. That's what I feel like this episode is. It's uh, you know, it's such a great kind of idea, but it's not well put together at all. Or you bake a cake and you forget to put like the baking soda in, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah. a, like a piece of cement. Yeah, the whole thing just collapses <laughs> in on itself. That is definitely this episode in a analogy for sure. All right, Matt. Now continuing on, we hit another commercial break, and we come back and find out that Flocks uh, has found another strand that's Rigelian, which uh, you got to be careful, right? You don't want to get that Rigelian flu. Um, as we've heard on uh, <laughs> podcasts prior. Uh, and we finally, I guess all the characters now are, are given some information in terms of the fact that it's, it's you know, like a time ship and there's like a temporal warp and stuff like that. We get kind of some cool dialogue between Tucker and Reed where, uh, you know, we're bringing up kind of some, some like famous, uh, what do you call those, kind of like conundrums, I guess, or like big thinking questions where you know yeah, if you yeah. saw in a book the name of your wife uh and then you met them and married them would you think that you actually were in love with them or would it be just the fact that you had predetermined knowledge and it becomes <laughs> like a whole like uh, mental tie bow um that part of it was really cool and i thought that uh that in and of itself was a really good scene um, and I also like that the ship is giving off like the temporal radiation, which is causing them to like basically have to like relive their conversation. Um, 
I almost kind of think maybe this was a better approach. This this is something that I that I was actually really enjoying. What are your thoughts on uh, some of that? Uh, what do you call those? Paradox? Is that what it is? Yeah, like predestination paradox. I think. Right. Yeah, they they talk about it in that uh, DS9 Tribble episode. Remember where? Yes. Bashir, like, wasn't he like checking out some? remember and O'Brien's like that could be your great 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 <laughs> grandmother yeah that's so funny yeah um anyway I do like that though yeah yeah um the one thing I wrote down about this one scene and I think it was actually in a couple of other scenes too is I loved how jumpy they were while they were working on the ship yes I love that it was it was there was a couple points where they're fiddling around and then something like opened or or something like beeped at them and they like were very jumpy about it i, I thought that was really good um and yeah that, that that scene where they're talking about sort of pre the, the predestination thing or or you know if you found out your wife's future wife's name and you met her would you marry her on the spot and you know would it really truly be for for love or was it just because you read it in a book it's an interesting right. conversation and then there was another one right after that uh, where um, Phlox and T'Pol were sort of talking about open-mindedness. And I think yes. those two scenes were right back to back. That was also another really good scene about, um, you know, because there, there, at this point in time, there was that whole thing where the Vulcan science, whatever, directorate had determined that time travel was impossible. So T'Pol's like, well, this can't be from the this ship, can't be from the future. And Dr. Vlox is like, yeah, but it's right here. We know it, right. you know, by examining it and analyzing it and taking it apart. We know it's from the future. It like, has metal metallic compounds that we've never even heard of before, right? And so yeah. I thought that was also a really cool scene. And they were, those, those two were right. Like those two scenes were, were back to back. So yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, I did like how there was like a little bit of the juxtaposition to how uh, he was mentioning that how on Denobulus or whatever it's called, they at one point thought they were the only species in the universe and it kind of like opened their eyes once they started kind of going off into space and stuff, which I kind of envision is similar to how the humans would have reacted when uh, Vulcans made first contact and stuff. So I thought that was really cool. Um, I feel like this discussion of the temporal Cold War is kind of like not as good um i i think that like kind of coming out of this commercial break into the last section we get this really kind of cool stuff and you're, you're almost getting like that cause and effect thing where they're they're like repeating the same stuff over again and they're kind of cluing in that it's repeating and then like you said the the flocks and the tapal stuff is really good uh and then they kind of get back to the um, the whole temporal war and the box is sending out a signal that maybe he's alerting the Suliban. So they're all heading there and stuff. Um, one thing that I really dislike speaking of how like they were so jumpy and how they were, um, you know, so uncertain about it. Let's face it, Matt, if you went back in time a thousand years and you had a broken iPhone, do you really think that even the smartest person of that time would able to get it back running? That would be very, very difficult to believe. And isn't that basically the situation that these guys are in here? Like they kind of like connect some wires of like this organic circuitry and they like get it back working. I don't know, man. I think that that is a really far stretch to think that you'd be able to kind of get it to work. I think they, they made it look like it was kind of accidental. 
so kind maybe of yeah that's how they try to make you buy it but yeah no you're right it's uh, it's very like in the, in a thousand years we'll even have wires right exactly yeah it'll <laughs> all be not. kind of um yeah well like i guess in this situation it's kind of an organic interface right it's basically what it is yeah exactly so it would just probably be like a giant lump <laughs> yeah exactly it'll just you or you know what it's probably more along the line of like star trek discovery with like the programmable matter um not that i think that that worked out overly well i think that's kind of stupid but um i i think that's probably more in line with what would we probably be seeing um here yeah i mean maybe i could believe it if it was like a situation where like if you took a, a cell phone back a thousand years and you just had it like turned off maybe they would like be able to hit the side of the button and like get it turned on and maybe like look at some stuff but like i doubt they'd be able to read anything or or be able to kind of like interact with it or interface with it in any kind of meaningful way so um they'd probably be so startled that when you touch it things happen that they would just like True. drop it on they the probably, ground and run away <laughs> yeah tie it to a rock and throw it in the river kind of thing you know um what is this devilry <laughs> exactly i think that uh this episode must have been during sweeps week because uh the black box sends out the signal that alerts all the hounds in the area uh to show up and we basically get like the big old battle here um they meet up with is it the takar that's like the ship that's going to Something i guess like be like their protector but they show up to find it's getting smashed by the tholians um yeah, this feels to me like they're really trying super, super hard. And I remember when this show was on the air, there was always talk about how like the ratings are sinking, the ratings are sinking, the ratings are sinking. And this is slightly desperate. Uh, what What are your thoughts on that, Matt? The only thing I wrote down about the battle was that uh, as much flack as enterprise gets for its effects not aging well um i actually thought the effects in the battle were actually pretty good yeah it did um, look pretty cool actually yeah yeah i thought that they looked you know pretty good for enterprise um yeah and, and the tholian ships look cool too yeah they gave them a bit of a they, they sort of updated them a little bit but they they yeah. did stay true to like the fact that it's sort of like a this triangular shaped ship so yeah, yeah like the, the no, little... I thought the effects were really good. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I can't tell you why they decided. Hey, let's have a big old brouhaha at the end of this episode. Well, because Enterprise was of the era where they felt like that was like the stuff that people were wanting, you know. So, um, that's kind of the reason for why they did it, I guess. Um, yeah, the Talakir is kind of look at cool looking ship too, actually. Um, I mean, we don't uh, we don't really see a whole ton of Vulcan ships when in our in you know certain episodes or whatever. But I thought it looked pretty cool. Um, the battle was like decent, but again, one of the downsides to this is that like I kind of felt that the coolest part of the whole thing was uh, that Tucker is like time looping because he's close to the ship, but like outside is too far away, so like outside is going faster than him working on the on the time ship but like he's going over it so many times so he's like getting better at it and faster did you think that was cool or do you think that was stupid um i thought the time loop stuff was kind of interesting but there's really no payoff at all really, well there's no really explanation of like why is it just like because there's that part where trip and 
read have the same conversation over like three times in a row and then there's the part where archer and reed are like disarm like removing the warhead right and it's like well wait a minute but why is it only like there's no really explanation not rhyme to reason to it it only seems to like happen when it's like convenient to the plot, I guess. Um, I think <laughs> they explained at one point that like the ship was like broken. It was like leaking temporal radiation or something. <laughs> I know like this is the kind of stuff when, you know, when your spouse walks in the room and they're talking about like leaking temporal radiation to cause a causality loop. It's like, uh, yeah, just kind of like squint your ears and uh, wait for the big battle to happen. You know, like it maybe is like a little cheesy. Um, well, and, and the other thing, too, is, like, is time, like, is time continuing at the same rate, like, elsewhere? Or is it just, like, is it just them in that room that keeps... It's like, just them know, in the room, was, I think, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was a little bit odd. Yeah, it wasn't the best, but, I mean, I guess it was... It was kind of cool. Um, and, I mean, I guess the other thing, too, is, is, like, they try to do the old, like, Trojan horse thing, right? Where they're going to, you know, let the Tholians uh, take in the ship and, and, and uh, then they're going to, like, detonate it or whatever. But then it doesn't work. Um, what were your thoughts on, on that? It was <laughs> they're like, oh, it didn't work. <laughs> it was very... <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was almost funny. You know, because like right away they knew like, oh, they disabled the warhead like that totally didn't work instantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, we've seen that move before, guys. Like, uh, yeah, we're definitely not going to fall that for that one. Um, yeah. And then the ship just disappears anyway. So it doesn't really make a difference either way. Right. So it's kind of like, why was it even there in the first place? Like if it's able to just kind of jump back through time then like why was it ever derelict and how long have been derelict there for and i'm just kind of left with a lot of questions and uh, of course they're gonna have to go and chat with the vulcan high command while they have like a nice uh a nice little final dinner here and that's mm. the episode um i don't know matt like this is kind of like one of the first you know, non-discovery episodes where I'm not really hearing a lot of great stuff from you or I. Like, I, I kind of feel like we're ragging on it a little bit. Um, it, it's definitely a, a strange episode, isn't it? it? It's it's hard to digest for sure. Well, I think the thing that probably bugs me the most about this is there that this pod or little mini ship. It's it's never mentioned again. Yeah, that's it true. It's yeah. What was it for? Where was this guy going? What was he doing? Uh, is this even part of the temporal cold war or is this, uh, like another time traveler? Like, remember there was that episode of the next generation with like the bald guy who was like from really far in the future. And he showed up in like a similar kind of thing. Um, like that was a way better episode to be honest. Well, it turned out that he was like a con artist and he, he was a con like artist. Steal yeah. All their stuff. Right, exactly. But I, I kind of felt like, you know, there was like that part at the beginning where everyone wanted to believe him and they were kind of like on board with it. And then like slowly over time, like the hole started to develop and then they figured it out. Like this is you don't get any information before, during or afterwards. And, and that kind of to me makes it like not that good of a of a watching experience. Yeah, it was totally pointless. All right, Matt, just like that. Uh 
that's future tense kind of done and dusted uh as we kind of typically do we uh you know can kind of go over some production stuff this is the first time that we've seen the tholian since the tholian web way back in the 60s um kind of cool um i know that later on in enterprise i think we actually get to see the tholians which is even cooler again because they're kind of like a big uh insectoid kind of looking things and they look like crazy evil um we get like a, a lot of cool stuff in the database um did you happen to um like pause it or anything and, and kind of check through the stuff that you can see in the the database or no well, one other thing about the Tholians, we do hear, okay, there's a couple of times in DS9 where they mention Tholians. Yes, they do, yeah. Yeah, but we do, yeah, we don't actually see them. Never actually see them, no. Or their ships, yeah. Uh, as far as the database, um, I, I I noticed a few little things. I think there was like a Romulan warbird at one point, and I think, wasn't there just like schematics for Voyager as well? You are correct. There was a uh, Romulan Warbird. There was a Klingon Raptor class. There was an Intrepid class ship. I don't know that it's actually called Voyager, um, as well as an Intrepid class shuttle. Uh, the MER space station, uh, the U.S. Space Shuttle Orbiter. Uh, and I think that there was like a uh, like another ship from an earlier thing called a Surak class ship. Um, there is also a news article on George W. Bush's State of the Union address from 2003. So uh, kind of some cool little uh, nuggets in there for those of you that like to kind of pause and check it out. <laughs> um, this is actually the last time that we see the database, uh, Daniel's database. So uh, based on... <laughs> based on kind of our discussion here i don't think that we're really that upset about it or, i mean are you, would you have liked to see more of this or is it kind of like eh? the effects were pretty cool um it looked yeah neat when true. they sort of open open the door and they sort of open this database up and it was almost like there was like sort of different layers to it sort of as you were looking at it on the on the television so i, I the effects were pretty cool i thought yeah, I agree. I think that uh, it, it was way ahead of its time. Like they were doing this before, way before Iron Man or Quantum of Solace or any of those kinds of, of movies were doing that like big like out where you can see everything in front of you. So that's pretty cool. Um, the only other piece of trivia that I really had was, um, you know, uh, I guess that they did do a, a, a continuation um, in the Star Trek online video game. Um there's basically like somebody who shows up in another temporal uh, pod ship or whatever you want to call it. Um, I haven't played it myself. I just read about it online. It sounds like it's okay, but uh, I mean, th there you have it. Um, did you find anything else, Matt, or is that pretty much it? I don't think I remember reading anything else that's uh, very interesting about it. All right. Well, then you know what that means. That means that we should probably put a uh, bow on this uh, proverbial uh, present here. Um, is, do you have a favorite scene or a favorite quote or anything that you just kind of liked specifically uh, from this particular episode? I did not write down any <laughs> specific uh, lines. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the coolest scene was the database. <laughs> I don't I nothing really jumped out at me I mean I mean I guess those two scenes we talked about where uh 
to Paul and Phlox. One thing I forgot to mention, did you notice that when Phlox sat down, he had like a giant tray of food? I did like, notice just that. Just an absurd note amount of food. I guess that was kind of the funniest thing for me in the episode. Yeah. And he was um, like, oh, I've been working too long. I forgot to eat. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we can all relate. Maybe it's like sleep with the Denobulans. They can just go a long time and then they just like crush like a huge, uh, a huge chunk all in one go. Wouldn't surprise me. They, those Denobulans are uh, quite the quite the creatures. Yeah. Now, um, do you have a favorite quote from the episode? Uh, I don't think I do. I, I didn't write anything down. I mean, nothing really jumped out at me. Well, since you're not going to take it, then I will take it. I am going to take the Tholian. Give us that vessel, the computer-generated <laughs> uh cheese ball uh thing uh which i believe actually was a computer it wasn't somebody's voice um that they kind of like doctored or what have you it was literally a computer created sound that made them speak that which is kind of cool actually they just programmed it into like microsoft word with the like dictation mode or yeah. whatever yeah exactly <laughs> so that's Sweet. pretty cool uh, okay, Matt. Well, that's it then. Uh, give me your final thoughts on Future Tense and a rating out of five black boxes. Well, like I said, I mean, this episode is uh, very, has suffered terribly from Battlestar Galactica Syndrome or whatever, insert whatever show builds pointless mysteries and that they never pay off. Um, yeah, it was, this was, uh, this is one that I remember being better than it was. I, I, when we got it last week and I figured out which one it was, I was like, oh yeah, this episode's really good. And I watch it and it's like, well, there's all this stuff going on, but there's no explanation for it. And then at the end, the ship, the pilot, everything just vanishes and it's never referred to ever again. So yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like a, a episode with a whole bunch of like, point like elements to it that really didn't have any meaning and didn't really pay off at all so i don't know i'm kind of torn i was like do i do i totally dump on it and give it one or do i give it two because i mean there was a kind of a cool battle and there were a couple cool scenes um i think i'm gonna go with uh two what is it future pod ships or future ships or oh, black boxes uh, black boxes yeah i'm gonna go with two black boxes out of five um it had a, it had some cool parts to it, but just generally a very disappointing episode for me. Yeah, I'm right with you, man. I was really super excited for this one. My memory of this was this was one of the better of the Cold or Temporal Cold War episodes. Uh, I think that it's just kind of too confusing, and the stuff that's good here really isn't that great, uh, and the stuff that's bad is just like like terribly bad like it's just kind of confusing you don't really know uh what's going on nothing's explained the, the the conclusion is just awful in terms of just basically calling it a wrap and, and and not really having much more than just like and it's gone and we never like you said we never hear of it again we never see it again uh and it, this is just a disappointing of an episode i i can't give it one just because i do feel like there is a, a couple of neat things here so i'm going to give it two out of five black boxes as well but um yeah i hope that if we get another enterprise episode it's that one that i originally <laughs> thought it was which was twilight uh that is a much better episode overall for sure
All right, Matt, that is the red alert siren, which means it is time to draw a new episode for two weeks from now. Uh, do you have any hopes and dreams for your uh, for your pull? Uh, and are you happy to stay on the NX-01? Because we have had back-to-back -back Enterprise episodes. Uh, are you content there, or would you rather uh, venture off into uh, another series? Well, I'm always happy for a little uh, Deep Space Nine, but... Uh... I'm up for anything. I'm uh, all right. I'm feeling, I'm feeling like uh, I'm ready for anything here. Okay. Well, I'm gonna dig down into the witch's hat of episodes here. Uh, you know what we haven't had in a long time, Matt, is a two-parter. That's true. Let's see, I'm just thinking that we haven't had a two-parter in a long time. All right. Let me see. What do I got here? Okay, Matt, you are looking at, oh my goodness gracious me, Matt is going a little bit uh, animated this week. Uh, oh. He is back on the animated series. This is the third time that Matt oh, has pulled an animated series episode. Uh, he is looking at, obviously, season one, episode six. It's called The Survivor. So as Matt uh, takes uh, some jot notes down, I think that we all would probably be much happier on the USS Cerritos if we had to do uh, a, an, an animated episode. But nope, we're doing the animated series. Uh, Matt is uh, going to have 60 seconds here. And of course, if you're going to play along at home, um, you should do the same thing as well. Um, you ready to go, Matt? It has the best theme song of all Star Trek. Oh, it's definitely up there in terms of best theme songs for sure. Um, okay. I better get my clock here with 60 seconds on it. All right, Matt. Can you please tell us about the Survivor? Okay. Um, I'm, the Enterprise discovers a, uh, a starship derelict uh, floating around, and there's a, uh, a single Survivor. And so Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, and uh, and Scotty are going to beam over to this ship to investigate, and uh, they're going to find that uh, there's a problem with the uh, the engines, and uh, Mr. Scott is going to have to spend most of the episode tinkering and trying to figure out what happened to the uh, the engines that caused the ship to, to malfunction, and Kirk, Spock, and McCoy are, are going to be like, geez, what's uh, why is there this one survivor and everyone else is dead? Um, so that's going to be sort of the whole, the whole thing is they're going to have to solve this mystery of this, uh, this lone survivor. And one of the red shirts will die in a, a terrible accident on the ship. All right. And that's it for time. Um, you either know that really super well, or you are faking it till you make it because, uh, I have no idea. It, no idea. Okay. No well, idea. um, that sounded like you had written the episode yourself and uh, you uh, knew it completely. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for us this week on RTR. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks' time with the animated series. Um, we are also getting dangerously close to the end of another animated series, Lower Decks, which brings great sadness 
to me. Um, but that does mean that Matt and I will have an opportunity to uh, go over season two and uh, kind of discuss it in great detail. Uh, we also have Star Trek Prodigy, which is going to debut later this month. So um, make sure that you're checking back to Hollow Sweet Media's as well as RTR to see uh, what we're thinking uh, of Prodigy, because I know lots of people are excited for that. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess as we kind of cruise in through November, then we're going to get into some Discovery Season 3. So there's lots of Star Trek to be had. Uh, and in this kind of like a little break that we have, the one-week break between Lower Decks and Prodigy, uh, we can check out the old original animated series with Matt and I. <laughs> we check out The Survivor. Um, I'll also predict that it will be at a frantic pace. <laughs> like as it always is feet. they when they they'll cram 42 minutes into into 25 <laughs> anyways so long folks so bye-bye everybody and we'll see you in two weeks time this show is brought to you by hollow sweet media computer list other available hollow sweet media programs Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Fluffernutter, an Expeditionary Force podcast. One of the best parts of the book is when Joe introduces Skippy once they hit orbit. <laughs> <laughs> he changes his skin to, was it, Bud Light, and <laughs> says absolutely nothing. <laughs> that, that, was, that was hysterical. That was absolutely hysterical. And why, and why did he choose Bud Light? Oh, Joe asked this question. It's just like, how does he know so much about Earth culture? Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. I think we all thought Ransom was going to go into that fight scene, thinking that it was game over before it even started and he was going to lose. But I think the moment he rips his uniform off, (laughs) which is hard anyway to rip a shirt, but to rip an actual like jacket like that, Mm. pretty impressive. And then he had like... About, I don't know, I think it was like 62 abs. He just looked ripped. And then he was just like, you know, a little bit of this. Yeah. A little bit of that. I was just going to say, it was the way that he also narrated it. It was just perfect. It was great. Ransom definitely went to the school of Kirk Fu. Ransom Fu, maybe we should be calling it. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.